If you have your Bible, I'd like you to open with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 18, and we will begin reading in verse 1, Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And um, if you caught last week's sermon, you'll hopefully remember that Jesus has been explaining to his disciples the nature of the kingdom of God. He talked about its timing, he talked about its, its, uh, its arrival, its nature, and things like that. And, and the kingdom of God is an already and not yet reality. It's already here in the sense that God is ruling in the, in the hearts and lives of his people, but it's not here yet in its, in its fullness. It's not been yet um, consummated. That will happen at his second uh, advent, at his return. Now, he did not tell his disciples, there's no later revelation given, when that second return is going to happen. We don't know how long it was between, or how long it will be between his first advent, when he came in Bethlehem, and his return. We don't know how long that gap is. He, he said that, that, that no man knows the day or the hour, and so anytime you see somebody making a prediction, just know that they're drinking their bath water, they don't know what they're talking about. But he, he does not give any indication of how long that is. And, uh, and obviously we're closer than we were 2,000 years ago, but the fact of the matter is, we don't know how long it's going to be. Now, I heard a statement a while back, it's, it's been a few months now, but I never had considered this, but it made me pause and, and it, 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 it really is kind of, I don't know, it, it set my brain for a long time. And this was the statement, we, today, we may be part of the early church. Think about that. I mean, we, we feel that we're in the last days, but historically speaking, his delay may be so long in advance, or so far in the future, that we may actually be a part of the early church. Now, we're not as, we're not as early as what we would consider the early church, but we may be part of the early church. We may also be living in the last days, and Christ could return within our lifetimes. We don't know how long this, this span of time is going to be. We don't know what that interval is going to be like. What we do know, however, is we're here now. And the question then is, how should we live? How should, how should our lives be transformed and how should it be lived out during this interval of time? And so Jesus touches on a couple of aspects of that and, and what that should look like specifically. He's going to talk about prayer in this text and then next week's text as well. What should our prayer life be like during this interval? And so he's going to answer that, that, uh, that question with two different parables. We're going to look at the first one today. And this parable is kind of odd. Because you remember a while back we looked at this parable of the, uh, uh, the unrighteous, or the unjust, or no, the unrighteous, the unscrupulous, however you want to term it, steward. You remember he was a, a guy that managed his, his master's wealth and he did a poor job of it. And then he's getting kicked out of the job because he was doing a, uh, he, he was, he was uh, just wasting his master's wealth. And so he had people come in and he was reducing their bill. Do you remember all that? So Jesus sets that guy up and he uses a bad example to teach a good lesson. And it's kind of weird because we would expect him to be using a good example to teach a good lesson. Similar to that, he's going to use kind of a scoundrel as, uh, as this person to teach us about God and his willingness to answer prayers. And it's kind of weird because... If we're not careful, uh, we'll draw some wrong conclusions about God and what, uh, what he, how he responds to prayer. So if you found Luke 18, hopefully this will all make sense whenever we get into it. If you found Luke 18, I'd ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Uh, we'll pick up in verse 1 and read down to verse 8. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Now again, he's talking to the disciples here. And he says, uh, uh, verse 2 saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man 
There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I want you to look at verse 1, and the first thing I want you to see is the point of the parable. The point of the parable. Now, Luke is the inspired scripture writer, and he tells us in advance what the, whole, what the point of this parable is. He tells us the lesson we should learn about, uh, about prayer from what Jesus says. There's no guesswork. There's no ambiguity. And, and, and what amazes me is I was reading through uh, the different commentaries and stuff like that. There are actually people who focus on different elements of this parable, and they're trying to draw some, some conclusions that don't really have anything to do with what the Bible says is the point of the parable. Now, the, the, the things that they, uh, that they noticed, the things that they were focusing on, some of those things may have been true, but that's not the main point. The main point is what Luke says in verse 1. The point of the parable, the purpose of the parable, is that at all times, they, we, followers of Christ, ought to pray and not lose heart. At all times, we ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, the question is, why is this given? Because the Bible tells us over and over again, especially in places like the book of Philippians, pray without ceasing. Um, so so why, is, why is this instruction given? And not only that, but why is it given here? Why is it given in this context? Because, again, this, this command is found elsewhere. It, the, the Bible says uh, pray at all, to pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. Uh, to, in all circumstances, in all things, to, give, uh, to, to offer up prayers. Now, to answer the first question, why is this teaching here? As I mentioned before, Jesus has just been talking about the kingdom. He's been talking about the, the, the kingdom's coming and how there's a delay in that, in, that, uh, in that second advent, in that arrival. And until it fully comes, we are to be people of prayer. And so he's encouraging us, he's teaching us how we should live in the meantime. Because God uses the prayers of his people to bring about his will on the earth in the meantime. So one question is, why is this given here? It's given here because Jesus has said um, that the kingdom is here, it's in your midst, it's going to be fully consummated one of these days. In the meantime, you need to be people of prayer because God will use that. He not only, he not only ordains the ends, but he also ordains the means, and the means of him accomplishing his will many times is you and me praying. And so Jesus is saying, in the meantime, until the kingdom comes, and what, what did Jesus say, how we should pray in the Sermon on the Mount? Our Father was heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of all this is our prayer life as Christians. And so part of this, the, the reason it's given here is that we should be people of prayer until his kingdom comes. But I believe the answer to the other question is in where the emphasis lies. Why is this... Why is this teaching given? Because, again, the Bible tells us all, uh, all over the place to pray, to be regular in prayer, to, 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 to in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I mean, all these times the Bible tells us to pray. So the, 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 the difference here, I believe, is where the emphasis lies. 
We always ought to have an attitude of prayer, but I want you to look at verse 1 again. Because the end of the verse, I think, is the key to why it's given. He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. To not lose heart. And I think that's the emphasis. I think that's the key of why this is given. Now, why would a person lose heart when it comes to prayer? Why would a person lose heart when it comes to prayer? Well, just think about it. If, if you had an issue and you prayed and within five minutes God miraculously intervened, he spoke from heaven, he, an angel appeared, whatever it is, and five minutes later, God, in, in whatever supernatural way, God intervened and answered that prayer, would you ever, would you ever lose heart in prayer? No, I wouldn't. If I, if I knew that within five minutes of my prayer, God would act and he would answer that prayer, I'd be regular in prayer. I'd be, there'd be no, no chance that I would be in despair. No chance would I say, you know what, I'm not sure I should pray about this. I'm not sure there's any point. The reason that I believe that he says that we need to, be, uh, that, that we need to pray and not lose heart, the, the, the purpose of this parable, is because there is... There is within this teaching the implication, the strong implication, that God's timing is not going to be our timing. Because we're going to say, God, I'm bringing this to you in prayer, and I expect you to act in a certain time frame, the time frame that I'm giving you. And, and here's what I want done. Here's when I want it done. And therefore, when it doesn't happen during that time, we start to lose heart. We start to faint. We, we, we start to throw up our hands and just quit praying. Or maybe we quit believing. We quit trusting. And our faith begins to falter. So the fact that we have this teaching, again, implies strongly that God is on a different timetable than us. And you've seen it in your own life. If you've been a Christian and you've prayed and, and God has answered your prayers, and He may do it uh, a week later than you thought, a year later than you thought. He may have done it uh, immediately. But you realize that His timetable works a whole lot better than your timetable. And if he answered your prayers on your timetable, things would have fallen apart. And I saw a quote this week in studying that I thought said it very well. It said, his delays are not delays of inactivity. They are delays of preparation. His delays are not delays of inactivity. They are delays of preparation. When we pray, sometimes we don't see God moving. We look around, it's kind of like the book of Esther and the book of Ruth. We, we don't, God does not take a prominent place in those stories. And yet, behind the scenes, God is working all these things out. Just because we don't see activity doesn't mean it's not happening. His delays are not delays of inactivity. They are delays of preparation. He's preparing you. He's preparing the circumstances. And He will one day work those things out. He'll answer those prayers according to His will and in His time. But something else delays serve to do, and that's to grow our faith. It, it, it grows our faith, but also shows, our, shows us our character. God knows our character. Because whenever God answers our prayers, I mean, that's, that, that shows something of our character, how we respond when God answers our prayers. Sometimes we're like those nine lepers, and only one of them returns. Sometimes we're like the nine, sometimes we're like the one. So sometimes answers to prayer show our character. Sometimes those delays show our character, too. Have you ever, have you ever noticed you prayed? And you prayed and you prayed and all of a sudden you get uh, impatient with God. Kind of stomp your foot. God, uh, now I, don't you know I've been going to church. I've been to church 
four times this week. This, yeah, this week. You've been doing real good. Four times this month. Don't you know that that is a sacrifice because I have to get up and I have to listen to Jeff and I have to go and all, all these things. God, that should, be, that should count for something. And, 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 or maybe it's a year or two years or, or, or ten years and we get impatient with God. Sometimes those delays show us what's in our hearts that we didn't know was there. So God's delays are not delays of inactivity. But next I want you to see the repeated request. So we have the, the point of the parable. I want you to see the repeated request. Jesus starts out this parable by talking about a corrupt and a wicked and unrighteous judge. And notice how he's described two things. First, he doesn't fear God. Now this is not saying that he's apathetic towards God. This is not saying that he has an absence of fear of God. But rather, he is living contrary to God. It's not that he doesn't, uh, it's not that he's ignorant of the law. He doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care about what God said. He doesn't care about doing righteousness and, and goodness. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about God's nature or his instruction. He is opposed to God. And not only that, but he has no respect for man. Now, you might look at that and you might say, well, good. Because the Bible is clear that people, that judges especially, should not be respecters of person. Because, and even today, you go out and you look at a courthouse. Sometimes you see uh, a woman standing there, a statue of a woman standing there with scales in her hand and what's on her eyes. A blindfold, because, because justice, the law, is supposed to be blind. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white, man or woman, or anything else. It's supposed to be applied uh, across the board evenly and equally. And so we may look at this and say, well, that's a good thing. That's not what this saying is. not saying that he is impartial. I and mean, the Bible says that justice should be impartial. Somebody shouldn't be discriminated against because they're poor and they shouldn't be uh, given extra special treatment because they're rich. That's not, what he's, that's not what it's saying here. This is not a good thing. That It's not talking about favoritism. It's saying that he didn't care about human rights. He didn't, he didn't have compassion for people. He, he was not tender-hearted. He didn't care less about people. And those two things go hand in hand. If a person, a judge or otherwise, does not fear God, they're not going to care about human rights. They're not care, going to care about the worth and dignity of a person. And we see it all the time. We see it here. We see it in, in, in things like... Uh, 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 the issue of abortion and so forth. The one flows from the other. And it's no wonder that Jesus termed this man, he labeled him an unrighteous judge. He was wicked. But in that same city, we have a poor widow. Now, in that day and time, widows and orphans were the most vulnerable in society. They were poor. They didn't have people to stand up and, and go to bat for them. They didn't have people to help them. They didn't have financial resources to fight legal battles in the courts. And we see, we see this happening today, don't we? I mean, there might be a, an organization that will go after a person because the person doesn't have the financial resources to fight that battle in court for years. But these corporations have lawyers on, I mean, they, they've got them on the payroll, so, so, so they'll just drag that thing out and bankrupt somebody. Well, it's kind of like that back then. The, the widows, the orphans, they didn't have those financial resources so people could, uh, could take advantage of them. And that was what was happening to this woman. She, was, she had an opponent in law who was mistreating her, and she couldn't get anybody to help. Now look at verse 3. She kept coming to this judge. She pled with him for justice. She pled with him to intervene. She pled for legal protection from her opponent. Your Bible may translate that as, as uh, she, she wanted him to avenge her. This is not, Jesus is not saying, pray that God will uh, avenge your enemies. That's not what, he, what he's talking about. The, the, word that's used, the wording that's used here has the idea of, of uh, giving her justice. She wants equal protection under the law, we might say today. 
Now notice verse 4. For a while, he was unwilling. He felt no necessity to act on her behalf, even though it was the right thing to do legally. Even though he knew what was right, he felt no, uh, he, he felt no uh, reason to act on her behalf. There was no fear of the Lord. There was no compassion. There, there was nothing. There was no pity. It's quite possible Jesus is implying that he was waiting for a bribe. He was just sitting there waiting. Well, if I just string this out long enough, maybe she'll, she'll give me a little something to, to, uh, to, to, to rule in her favor. But this woman kept coming and coming again and again when she'd see him out in the supermarket. Don't you hate when people are cornering you in the supermarket and you don't want to talk to them? That's why I love Walmart pickup, grocery pickup. You don't have to talk to anybody sometimes. You don't want to. But sometimes people corner you and you can't get out. I imagine she saw him in, in the store. She'd corner him. She'd, she'd see him in the courthouse as he was going into the, going into the chambers, going into the office. She'd see him, Judge, Judge, have you thought about my, have you thought about my case? Judge, he's, he, he, he's calling again. Judge, they sent somebody to my home. She hounded him. She kept putting her case on the docket. And she hounded him relentlessly. And eventually, he said, you know what? And he talked to himself. He said, you know what? I don't care about God. I don't care about this woman. But I care about me. And she's going to drive me nuts. That's my, that's my summation. Look at verse 5. Because this widow bothers me, I'll give her legal protection. I'm annoyed with her. She's so persistent. I'm just going to get her out of my hair. The literal rendering of what he said well, she's going to give me a black eye. And it could be that he's, the, the words here imply that if I don't give her what she's wanting, she's going to come after me physically. I mean, she's persistent. But he went against everything he cared about and gave this woman what she asked for because she bothered him so much. Now, I want you to see finally the parable apply because Jesus tells them, he tells us, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Why? What are we supposed to get out of this? What is the point? What are we supposed to learn? The point is, if this, this persistent widow got what she was requesting from someone who is unrighteous, he was unholy, he was wicked, he didn't care about goodness, he didn't care about justice, he didn't care about people, he was not compassionate towards her, even though she was in a, a bad spot, he, he didn't care about the law, she had a great need. He, he couldn't have cared less. He had no interest in doing what he should. If she could get somebody like that to do violence to their natural inclinations and give her what she asked for, how much more so should we be persistent in our prayers with a God who is nothing like that judge? He is so much better than that judge. He is righteous. He is holy. Psalm 119 says, He is good and everything He does is good. It's a complete complete polar opposite of what this judge was. He loves justice and right, and he cares for people. He takes delight in, in, in doing good. He causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He, he takes no delight in the death of the wicked. He is near to the brokenhearted. He, he cares for you. And this poor widow got what she wanted and what she needed when she was persistent and she got it from someone who was so bad, how much more so should we, the children of God, be persistent in our prayers 
when we have someone in heaven who is so much better than that. He is our loving, caring, compassionate, heavenly Father. He, he, he hears the cries of His people. So this judge should teach us something about God, not by way of comparison, say These, this is how they're alike, but by way of contrast. This is how they're so different. And if she got what she needed with someone who is so bad, how much more so will God give us what we need when He is so good and so gracious and He cares for and He loves His children? He hears and He answers prayer. Now the timing may not be exactly what we think it should be. And that goes back to what, he, what it says in verse 1. The timing may not be exactly what we think it should be. But when He acts, He acts at just the right time and oftentimes it happens quite suddenly. I know in my own life, and, and I'm sure you have too, you, there have been times when you've prayed about an issue and, and there's, you haven't seen any activity, no movement. God has, it seems like God is deaf to your pleas. And it, it's, nothing's working, nothing's happening. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and finally you're like, oh, I don't even see the point. I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to throw up my hands. I'm just going to quit. I've lost faith. And then all of a sudden, God begins to move and it happens quickly. Have you ever noticed that? It's like nothing, 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 and then bam, it's all done. He acts without delay. He'll bring about that justice for them, verse 8 says, quickly. However, and he concludes with a rhetorical question. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The implied answer to that is no. Even though all this is true, even though God hears and answers prayers, even though He, he, he is mindful of the needs of His people, even though that's the case, is, is Christ going to find faith on the earth whenever He returns? And the implied answer to that is no. There will be a few, but not very many. There are not going to be very many who are holding steady, who are trusting Him to do what He said that He would do. And then the application then is, don't be one of those people. Right? I mean, that, that may be you right now. You may be one of those people that have been bringing your knee before the Lord for a long time. Maybe it's weeks. Maybe it's years. Maybe it's decades. You've been praying about something. You've been praying for somebody. Somebody to get saved. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's, it's a parent. Maybe it's some other need. You've just been praying and praying and praying. You just seek God. You say, God, I want you to please just do this. And you've not seen any activity. You've not seen any movement. And he said, the delay is too long. What's the point? I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to stop praying. And maybe you have. Maybe you have all but just stopped in your prayer life. If Jesus were to return today, would he find you faithful? Even if you've grown weary, maybe, maybe you've been wondering if it'd do any good to pray day after day, time after time. Jesus' word should be an encouragement to you. God hears and answers those prayers. He will act. And when He does so, it will be sudden. Verse 8, He will act quickly. So keep praying. God will act. He, he's not going to let that go on one moment longer than it needs to. Because sometimes this delay is prepare circumstances. I've talked about this before, but the way I ended up coming out to New Hope is all God's timing. I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and I was in the holding pattern, and then all of a sudden, boom, I show up out here. And it was God was, was working some things out that I didn't know anything about. But He's working some things out in the church, and, and, and once that was taken care of, here we are. 
Sometimes it's a, a preparation of, of circumstances. Sometimes it's, it's to allow, maybe you've got some, maybe you've got, frankly, an enemy. And you're praying about that person, and you're, maybe God's given that person a time, a chance to repent. Maybe he's given you a chance to get right. Because sometimes we pray, and our heart's not in the right place. Our life's not in the right place. And maybe he's given you the opportunity to get right. Maybe it's just a chance to, to, to grow in your faith in some way. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Stay in the faith. Say, well, I don't even know if I'm praying a prayer that God answers. Here's a prayer God always answers. The prayer of faith for salvation. Now, I can't tell you if what you've been praying about as a, as a Christian. I don't know what God's will is in your situation. But if you're not a Christian, here's, here is a prayer that he will always answer. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. When you, when you come to the end of yourself and you repent of your sin, you turn from it, you forsake your sin and you turn to him in faith, God will always, 100% of the time, all who call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. Not most, not almost all, every one of them. 100%, God doesn't fail a single time. And it could be that, that, that you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. If that's the case, pray to Him today. Confess your sin to Him, repent of it, and trust in Christ to save you. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you have some need on your heart, a loved one, a situation. Whatever it is, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's been on your heart for, for years. Continue to pray. Continue to believe. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Don't be one of those that the answer to that is no. Maybe it's a new need. Maybe it's an immediate need. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle, humble in spirit, and I'll give you rest for your souls. The yoke is easy, my burden is light. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that uh, you hear, you answer prayers. And Lord, we know that on one hand, we can bring thanks to you. And we know that if we've brought them to you, you know about you, we know about our needs before we ever verbalize them. But God, we thank you that it's not like this persistent widow. We don't have to bombard heaven to get our way. We can't badger you. We can't bully you. But we can come boldly to you. We come boldly before the throne of grace and ask that in your mercy that you would act. And God, I pray that you'd help each of us in those times of delay, of answered prayers.
God, we ask that you would help us to trust you. God, help us to, 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 to be faithful to you. If there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.